the right notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the right notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the right notes available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the right notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. You want the best, you got the best. The best little wrestling podcast in the business. All episodes on www.stspod.club. Do you enjoy all the shows here on stspod.club? Well, cash app us at dollar sign BTSTS. Do you not have the app? Download it and get $5 by using the code dollar sign btsts that's dollar sign btsts First off, before we even continue, it welcome to fall, by the way. It is autumn here in Chicago. Uh, the leaves are falling. It's one of the best times of the year just because of all the junk food and pumpkin spice this and maple that. I always say, and I know Brian's going to rip on me because I'm talking about food on a music podcast, but I always say maple is underrepresented in the fall. Everybody does everything pumpkin which is fine. I'm okay with pumpkin stuff, but man, let's get some more maple stuff out there. Anyway, this is the record store. So we are going to talk about music. First off, we have to thank our house band for that amazing intro. It's ambidextrous wipe. The ambidextrous wipe, if you recall, one of the hottest prog rock bands in the seventies and eighties. I don't even know if they're still around. Uh, There might be one or two members still alive, but ambidextrous wipe, just one of the greatest prog rock bands, you know, like uh, Jethro Tull. I think they there might have overlapped some members with Jethro Tull. Anyway, the record store, you know the concept. It is over here, all the CDs, all the albums, and I went through a whole bunch of my vinyl. Man, I had some time off, and I was able to go through the voluminous vinyl um, collection in the basement, and some of it is in such good shape. I was really pleased. Some of it was ruined from water damage and stuff, and I sadly, God, it broke my heart to throw some stuff out, but... So much of it, like I had Damn the Torpedoes, I had Born to Run, um, God, uh, Heaven Tonight, Cheap Trick, um, 
the original Pretenders album. I have all of those things on vinyl and in really good shape, too. So I was really happy. I'm going to have to get a turntable because some of that stuff, man, I can't wait to listen to that on vinyl with all the pops and all the typical sounds that come from vinyl. Anyway, this is the record store. And the concept is we grab an album at random um, and talk about it, do a little bit of research on the band or performer. Um, and then talk about the songs, talk about whether it was as good as I recall it being from back in the day, or it might be something new. There's a whole bunch of new albums on the wall. Um, so it's just, we grab something. And in many cases, this is very therapeutic for me. The record store is very therapeutic in a sense, because I am such a music like junkie that I bought so many, I've bought so many albums. There's thousands of albums, seriously. I've bought so many albums that I just run out of time and I don't get a chance to listen to them when they're hot and I need to listen to it and I need to own it and have it, the physical media and just some things get lost in the shuffle, you know? And so there are many albums that we've covered. This is episode 48, but there's many episodes that we've covered where I've never even listened to the album. And this is an album today that I listened to maybe once or twice um, and it wasn't anything that was extremely memorable. So I didn't really recall too much about it. But the album today is called Songs. Officially, it's called Songs from the Sparkle Lounge. It is the 10th album from Def Leppard. And can't believe we're 48 episodes into the record store and I have not done a Def Leppard episode. Uh, really big fan of Def Leppard. One of the few big bands that I never got to see. Um, but they're still on the road. They're still out there. So I probably will get to see them at some point hopefully um and they're somewhat mostly original members for the most part and honestly in looking up the doing the research for this episode those guys aren't nearly as old as i thought they were gonna be so they must have been super young when they started out um it, you i figured they'd be in their 70s and 80s but they were 50s and 60s for the most part so they must have been super young <laughs> when they started out and mostly like i said mostly the original members for the most part the key guys at least um anyway so this is episode 48 of the record store it is the sparkle lounge or as it's officially known songs from the sparkle lounge it's the 10th album from def leppard uh came out in 2008 like I said, I got it when it came out and only listened to it maybe once or twice. Um, so obviously not very memorable at the time. Uh, Def Leppard glam metal. I saw that was one of the descriptions. Hair metal was another description. Just a very wide appeal, I thought. I was a big fan. Uh, I thought they crossed over a lot of different um, rock genres, as it were, and had a lot of pop appeal, too. So believe it or not, they formed in 1976, man. I, I could not believe that. I thought for sure it was like well into the 80s when they formed, but they were already famous and huge well into the 80s. But they actually, the, the original guys got together in 76. Uh, some early names that they had before they were known as Def Leppard was Atomic Mass, Chemical Reactor. I don't know, for, for me, both of those had like sexual connotations. They probably don't, but Atomic Mass and Chemical Reactor. I don't know. Uh, and then they were Def Leppard, and it was spelled D-E-A-F, like Def, and Leopard, L-E-O-P-A-R-D, like the animal. So they were actually Def Leopard before they altered the spelling. I'm not sure if there's a trademark issue or whatever with that, but they achieved their fame and notoriety as Def Leppard, D-E-F-L-E-P-P-A-R-D. So both words misspelled. So at one point, they were honoring me, and they were going as Def Leppard, spelled correctly. So anyway, 
Uh, Brian is a, a big fan of me correcting spelling around here. So um, I, when I was thinking back about Def Leppard, I think they pretty much, I feel like they owned the eighties in terms of rock. You know, they were one of the biggest touring bands in the world. Uh, they toured incessantly and they had huge tours too. They were like doing football stadiums and stuff. Um, and I feel like they just, their hits, there were so many, there were dozens of hits that they had. Uh, and I feel like, you know, they're still around. Um, they're nowhere near the sales, nowhere near the popularity. I feel like there's bands like the Stones, you know, that kept it going and can still fill football stadiums. Uh, Guns N' Roses, who I just saw not that long ago, can still fill Wrigley Field. U2, you know, there's certain bands that they just kept it going. But I don't know. There was something about Def Leppard that just kind of fell off a cliff in terms of the popularity. So I think they were every bit as big as those bands. But today, not so much. Um, and I'm not I I think the difference is the fact that although they still kept putting out material and still kept putting out product, it wasn't it paled compared to the the stuff that they were doing in the 80s. So and, you know, the various there's no radio, there's no MTV anymore, per se. Um, I think that Def Leppard relied on all that stuff to get across and to get over. And it, it's just not there for them anymore. Uh, they were, like I said, they're, they were huge on MTV. They had dozens of top 10 hits. Uh, the two big, big albums were Pyromania and Hysteria. Uh, mega albums, multi-platinum around the world with those two albums for sure. Uh, like I said, mainly the original members. Uh, guitarist Steve Clark, who started with them, died in 1991 of a drug overdose. Uh, another guitarist, Pete Willis, was kicked out of the band primarily because he probably would have gone down the same path, uh, kicked out of the band for his alcoholism. Um, so sadly, Steve Clark no longer with them, no, no longer with us at all. Um, and so they got both of those guys either left on their, they kicked out Pete Willis or Steve Clark passed away, replaced by Phil Collin, not Phil Collins, as it were, but Phil Collin. Uh, and replaced by Viv Campbell or Vivian Campbell. Uh, and they've been the same since 1992. They've been that same five guys in composing Def Leppard since uh, Viv Campbell joined in 1992. The key for me, I mean, the music is great and very catchy and very um, like accessible. But the key for me for Def Leppard is Joe Elliott's voice. I just love Joe Elliott's voice. I think he is like the epitome hard rock singer um just one of those voices that just so just captures my imagination i just want to listen to that guy all the time um as you know rick allen was is the drummer lost his arm in 1985 continued on um you know I, in looking back on that story you know your first thought is oh he was all drunk and driving and you know that's that's the automatic assumption especially knowing that the one guy died from an overdose in Def leopard but the automatic assumption with him, if you don't remember the story very clearly, and let's face it, it was 30 years ago, um, you automatically think, oh, he was driving drunk, so it happens, um, and he lost his arm. But it actually, it sounded more, there was no indication of alcohol at all in the crash, um, and so there's no there's no proof. There's no nothing that says that. It's just the the automatic, I think, rock and roll stereotype, rock and roll assumption. From the story that I read today and doing the research, it sounded actually like a road rage incident that went desperately bad for him uh, that some other guy was involved in. And it, it went horribly wrong for Rick Allen. So he ended up losing his arm. 
um, his story is very much about perseverance and spirit and attitude. And, you know, the fact that they, they wanted to keep him in the band, they wanted to do whatever they could to keep him in the band, um, adapt the drumstick or the drum kits rather, so that he could play a lot more with the one arm that he still retained, obviously, and his feet, his legs. Um, and honestly, they haven't missed a beat, no pun intended, as far as Rick, uh, Rick Allen ever, never getting kicked out of the band or never being, you know, told we can't use you anymore in that capacity. Um, so like I said, he started charities for other um, amputees. And so I give the guy a, a ton of credit. He's still with them to this day. Um, and like I said, his story for me is a story of survival, spirit and perseverance. Um, a couple things. Jim Steinman, this is a surprise to me and doing the research today. Jim Steinman, who we've talked about many times on the record store, a big, big fan of Jim's, the late Jim Steinman and Meatloaf. Uh, Jim Steinman was brought in to produce Hysteria, but it did not work. The, the marriage of Jim Steinman and Def Leppard. And if you think about it, big, huge sound on both parts. Jim Steinman responsible for producing a big, huge sound and writing of a lot of great material like along those lines. Def Leppard has a very specific and very like um, traditional sound that they seem to always have, at least back then in the 80s, they had a very specific sound, very big sound. Um, and I think a Jim Steinman produced Def Leppard album would have been fantastic. But for whatever reason, it didn't work out and they divorced and they did not actually work together. Uh, but he was brought in. It would have been very cool. So um in thinking about Def Leppard and how they kind of fell off the map, um, I the the theory, and I believe I agree with this, the theory is that the rise of alternative and the rise of grunge helped push Def Leppard down the charts. Um, they tried to kind of adapt a little bit. They went a little darker, and then they went a little pop, and then they recorded. They even went so far as recording with Taylor Swift at one point. Um, but I never, I feel like they never recovered the, the hits that they had. They never recovered the numbers. They never recovered the sales. Um, they still tour to this day. Um, they're still now, um, they're definitely not filling football stadiums. Um, they could do, it did uh, Wrigley not that long ago, um, but their tours are now, it's not Def Leppard per se. It's a, it's more of a, a three or four act bill you know, that they're a part of. So they're doing these mega bills where they're with Poison or Cheap Trick or Heart or Motley Crue or some, some you know, combination of those types of acts. Um, so they're still out there and they're still touring. They've done a handful of residencies in Vegas. Um, so I give them credit. They're still out there. They're still plugging away. They're still, I'm sure, doing the hits. Um, they've released a handful of albums in the last couple of years. Um, they went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018 uh, as far as this album, Sparkle Lounge, uh, the reviews were pretty average. Um, Joe Elliott, in interviews about it, said that the album sounds like early ACDC and early Led Zeppelin. I don't know about that. Uh, there's a little bit that I could say. Uh, there's a little bit of references, and there's 11 songs on here, so I mentioned that in the reviews here and there. Um, the album debuted on Billboard at number five, didn't go any higher, but it did debut at number five, so there's that. Uh, the critics said it sounded like typical Def Leppard sound, big hooks, big choruses, big production. Some panned it because it sounded the same, you know, um, and I'll get to my thoughts on it here. Uh, it hit as far as the other charts worldwide. It hit number 26 in New Zealand, 25 in Japan. They, I don't know why, but for some reason, I feel like um, 
I feel like Def Leppard would be a big hit in Japan. I don't know. There's certain acts that cross over and they carry over in Japan and certain acts don't. Like I know, obviously, Cheap Trick was huge in Japan. I feel like Def Leppard should have been huge in Japan, too. They probably were. Uh, it hit number 15 in Norway, but yet only number 118 on the charts in France. So it seemed like, although, of course, they did well in um, England because that's where they're from. Um so it, it was weird. The Seriously, the Scandinavian countries, it charted very well. Like it hit 15 in Norway. It hit high in Sweden as well. Um, it hit in Denmark. It hit really, it did well in Scandinavia, but not so much in the rest of Europe. So I'm not sure what it was about Def Leppard that carried over in Scandinavia and of course England, but not so much in France and Germany. So anyway, so this CD, you know, I always talk about, does it have the lyrics? What kind of package is it? Uh, it came with a set of guitar picks, which I thought that was innovative. Um, I'm not sure if I bought like some kind of special edition at Best Buy or whatever. Obviously, it was unwrapped, so I don't know. Um, but it came with a set of four guitar picks inside, which was pretty cool. Uh, there's a booklet inside, but yet no lyrics. There's lots of pictures of the band spread out over numerous pages. Uh, I didn't need as many pictures of you, Joe Elliott. I love you. I love your voice. I think you're awesome. But I didn't need that many pictures of you guys, all of you. Uh, I could have used the lyrics, so it would have been a little bit less homework for me to have to dig through the lyrics on this and get them off offline. Um, it, of course, has the typical thank yous to the family and friends. They, they all bent over backwards pr thanking producer Ronan McHugh. Uh, no thank yous to Jesus. I thought that side note, just putting that in there. Uh, the cover of this album, you've probably not seen it because this was not a huge chart topper and not recently for sure. Uh, 2008, not that far back. But anyway, um, the cover of it is very much like uh, a tribute to Sgt. Pepper's. It's very much like all the weird, the collage of all the weird cutout pictures. Uh, and it looks uh, very much like Sgt. Pepper's. So there are many famous people in here. Um, there's probably, if I added, I don't have the patience to add up how many pictures are on here, but it's pictures, black and white and color, numerous, like probably roughly about 100 pictures on here of different people. So way more than Sgt. Pepper's actually. But it's that, that same style, that same motif. Um, but some of the pictures, there's many pictures of them, the members of Def Leppard in various uh, ages. So as children, as adults, big hair, not so big hair. But some of the pictures in here, there's Bruce Springsteen, there's Abraham Lincoln. Uh, there's a bunch of monkeys. There's the, you know, see no evil, speak no evil monkeys series in there. Not the monkeys, you know, Peter Nesmith, Mike Nesmith and Peter Tork and all them. Um, there's the Statue of Liberty. There's Paris Hilton. And there are a couple of bobbies, like the British police officers. So anyway, just a weird hodgepodge of, of faces that you see on this album cover if you're really wanting to do some research and take a magnifying glass to it. So 11 songs, 39, just over 39 minutes. I did read somewhere that this is their shortest album. So I don't know. Say, say what you will about that. So all right, getting to the album itself. Uh, first song is called Go. Uh, and I do want to mention that the font, this this is going to sound like a weird complaint, especially for a band that I really like. Uh, the font on the back of the album saying what the songs are is barely legible, barely readable at all. Uh, and inside, it's the exact same font in the booklet. So there was a, a handful of these songs. I'm like, what the hell does that even say? I can't even read that. So anyway. Uh, first song is called Go. That was easy. It's two letters. 
So I was able to make that out. So this starts with a traditional Def Leppard guitar to open. A little bit heavier, I would say. A little less poppy than what you might think of for Def Leppard. Uh, the lyrics are kind of political. So kind of talking about our leaders and the lies that they feed us. So I thought that was kind of odd for to hear Def Leppard speak of that, that as a topic. Uh, real good guitar here on Go. Uh, there's some really good guitar solos. Less reliance on Joe Elliott's voice here, which is not usually a good thing. Uh, but there are some of the traditional Def Leppard harmonies that I really like. Um, that To me, that's always been one of the most... Uh, pleasing sounds about Def Leppard is the amazing harmonies that they do. Uh, so go very driving song, a little bit heavier, almost like an industrial sound to it altogether um, on this song. So go a nice start to the album. Uh, slight, like I said, slightly heavier, a little less poppy than what you might have been expecting from Def Leppard. So, all right, second song is called Nine Lives. Uh, I for one, think that Nine Lives, the cat food company, should have created an ad campaign around this song because, come on, Nine Lives, a, a big band, like even in 2008, I think Def Leppard was still kind of a big band at that point. Uh, I just think that was a match made in heaven. Nine Lives should have been doing, you know, having Def Leppard endorse the cat food. So um, it starts with, it's. this is a really interesting, I guess, conspiracy theory, if you want to call it that, but kind of an Aerosmith sound to it. And I say that's ironic because Aerosmith had an album by the name Nine Lives in 1997, uh, an under the radar album for Aerosmith. But I just thought, wow, what a connection that this song kind of starts with this Aerosmith kind of sound to it. Um, and yet, and also Aerosmith had an album by that same name in 97. So anyway, um, the first voice comes in on this song and I'm like, huh, w what is this? It was a very gruff voice uh not our guy not joe elliott for sure uh kind of a country-ish sound to it and it turns out it's tim mcgraw so i'm not sure like i referenced before they did some work they did some stuff with taylor swift trying to regain some re relevance you know in the 2000s i guess but they bring in tim mcgraw on this song but then of course joe elliott comes in on the second verse uh and i'm like Phew, okay nothing against tim tim mcgraw but i'm not a country guy um, I don't really know much about Tim McGraw other than the fact that he's married to Faith Hill. Um, not my style, not my kind of music. It was okay, I guess, but just really weird that he sings like literally like the first couple lines and then it goes to Joe Elliott for the whole rest of the song. So I'm like, if you're wanting to do a duet with Tim McGraw, I get it. You're trying to jump on the country, the popularity of country. But why not have him sing throughout the whole song and do a back and forth like Stevie Nicks and Tom Petty or something? You know, I'm like, why did Tim McGraw literally sing about four lines and then it goes, it switches over the chorus and the whole rest of the song is Joe Elliott. So anyway, again, it didn't really do much for me. It's kind of a poppy Def Leppard song. Uh, they didn't need the Tim McGraw McGitt. Tim McGraw McGimmick. That's pretty funny, actually. The Tim McGraw gimmick, they did not need it. Um, the harmonies are great here. It's just the trademark Def Leppard sound. Uh, I think this could have been a hit. Nine Lives could have been a hit in the heyday. Had it been released in the heyday of Def Leppard, I think it could have been a hit. Uh, not much depth, depth to the lyrics here. Uh, just a lot of playing card and gambling references. That's pretty much what the song is about. So um, literally, McGraw opens it. 
and that's it. It just goes to Def Leppard and Joe Elliott for the whole rest of the song. So, but decent song. Just I didn't understand the gimmick of using Tim McGraw here. So, all right, third song is called "Come On, Come On." It starts with clapping, which can be a good thing. And they say "Come On, Come On" over and over again as the chorus. Uh, it's a sexy song. I'll say that. It's uh, very simple. Uh, talks about sparks, talks about making all of her dreams come true, talks about taking the ride of a lifetime, wink, wink. Um, so just a very, you know, of course, all the sexual metaphors in the song. So I lost count on how many times they said, come on, after about 200 times through the song. So I think this song was written to be an arena hit, an arena favorite. The intention was there for like the fists thrusting in the air and the lighters and everything. But honestly, it's just a really empty song for me. Uh, lyrically, not much to it. And just the fact that, like I said, I think they say, come on, come on, about uh, a thousand times by the end of it all. I just lost count. Uh, just kind of an, a, a there song at the third spot. So, all right, fourth song is called Love. Again, I do appreciate the fact that it was only four letters, so it was easy for me to read the, uh, the, the terrible font on the back of the album. So it starts with this loud crash and it gives way to this, it gives way to a, <clears throat> like an acoustic strumming sound, uh, sort of like a stairway to heaven kind of sound to it, actually. That kind of acoustic, really low key, uh, very spare ballad, I thought. Uh, Joe Elliott is not singing to a girl. You would think, you know, he, the song is called Love. You would think he'd be singing to a girl or about a girl or something. Uh, but he's singing about the concept of love or actually correct more correctly. He's singing to the concept of love itself, which is kind of interesting. Um, I am always a sucker for a good power ballad. One of my weaknesses, especially with these guys. Uh, but this is weird. Um, it can't compare to their great power ballads. Um, Have you ever needed someone so bad was probably the one that came to mind first for Def Leppard as far as their great power ballads or hair ballads or whatever you want to call them. So I think that was one of their great low key songs. Whereas love, mm, I'd say sing it to a girl, Joe Elliott. Don't sing it to the concept of love. I think this could have been reworked and it could have been a lot less abstract um, in its form, in this form, the song Love, singing to the concept of love was just kind of weird and awkward to me. Did not work. I considered it a flop. Um, I would have rather had him sing to a specific girl. And, you know, like I said, have you ever needed someone so bad? That kind of style. So the song Love kind of been an eh at the fourth spot. So, all right. Fifth song is called Tomorrow. Uh Got a reference, again, always the the bad font here. I got a reference it here. I could not read it, could not make out what these letters were. Uh, anywhere on the album, I could not read it. Inside, on the back, it was the same font, annoying. Uh, I honestly, I wrote down what I thought it said. I thought it said Immorum. So I don't know how you get Immorum out of Tomorrow, but that's what it looked like. That's how crappy this font is. It looked like Immorum, which isn't even a word, of course, but I had to look up the track listing online and I'm sitting here holding the freaking album and I can't, you know, I can't even make out what it is. So tomorrow is the name of the song and the fifth song. So it starts with Joe Elliott and the typical, you know, Def Leppard harmonies. They sound great here. Uh, it's not a groundbreaking song. It is just that Def Leppard sound that the fans want, especially fans like me want. Uh, it has a very good guitar bridge, uh, just a really good appealing song. It has all the ingredients that make them so popular and made Def Leppard what they were. 
So, all right, that's the fifth song. We're going to take a break here. We're going to pay some sponsors, going to pay some bills. Stick with us, and we'll get to side two of Songs from the Sparkle Lounge. At least I think that's what the font means and says. So we're going to get back to side two in just a minute. Stick with us on the record store, guys. We'll be right back. I want to stop the episode right here and talk about one of our new sponsors, Bear. B-A-R-E, period. That's right. Their tagline is eat better, live better. And I'm speaking from experience here. That's right. The better things you put in your body, the better you feel. These guys are the best meal prep company in Northeast Arkansas because, well, (laughs) they prep all my meals and they don't put any of those artificial flavorings or seasonings in their food. It's just the bare ingredients. You see what I did there? Here's how it works. You choose the meals you want in your desired pickup location from their easy-to-use website. Your meals are ready Monday morning and available for pickup based on the hours of the location. They have seven locations right here in Jonesboro, two in Paragol and one in Brooklyn. Go to bear870.com and place your order today. So here's what I want you to do. Get 15% off with our code STSPODCLUB at bear870.com. That's 15% off and use our code STSPODCLUB. Trust Bear for your meal prep needs in Northeast Arkansas. Eat better, live better. Bear. This episode is also brought to you by SpunkLoop.com. Remember when you're getting funky like a monkey, if you know what I mean, use Spunky. That's right. Go to www.SpunkLoop.com and tell them STS Pod sent you. Right Notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the Right Notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the right notes available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the right notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. Our Uber Eats code eats dash Brian T two four seven nine O U E. That's eat dash Brian T two four seven nine zero U E. Use that code and get twenty dollars off a twenty five dollar order. Uh. 
Are you enjoying the episode? Well, cash app us. That's right. Dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. You don't have cash app? Download it and get $5. That's right. $5. That's dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. Dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. coffee in the big time oh yeah cup of coffee in the big time arizonabaycoffee.com go to that website and buy a big bag of morning shiznit this tspod.club the link of all links oh yeah cup of coffee in the big time Oh, yeah. STSPod.club. It's a wrestling podcast. Oh, yeah, brother. All right. We are back. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you for Brian to, to Brian for splicing that all together and making us Making me sound way better than I am uh, as we are covering Def Leppard's The Sparkle Lounge, or it sounds like a recliner, a Barkle Lounger or something. Sparkle Lounge. I don't think it was meant as a parody of that. Uh, but The Sparkle Lounge, songs from The Sparkle Lounge, which is Def Leppard's 10th album, 10th studio album. Uh, they've done a handful of lives and they've done a handful of greatest hits at this point, which, man, a greatest hits album from Def Leppard's got to be like a triple box set at this point. Uh, so many great songs from back in the day, not as much in the 2000s, but definitely from back in the day. Uh, but we're covering the Sparkle Lounge here on the record store and we're on side two. Uh, we're starting off so far. The first side has been kind of lackluster, just kind of there for me. And this coming from a Def Leppard fan. So, yes, I can be objective. Uh, by the way, I do want to mention right here, uh, it is September. It is the fall. We kind of referenced this at the beginning of the show. Uh, but we are gearing up for Rocktober. I want a Rocktober, as it were. And I will be telling you at the end of this episode kind of what that's going to mean. Uh, Rocktober, where the record store kind of takes over the network. So interesting. Let's see what that holds. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, so we're on side two. Starts out with the sixth song on the album. It's called Cruise Control. Uh, just kind of a dark, thrashy open to it. Very heavy on the bass. Uh, another subject like I that one of the earlier songs was political. This song is kind of religious, so not exactly <clears throat> in the Def Leppard wheelhouse. Uh, he's talking about God. He's talking about atoning. He's talking about souls. So did not ever see that coming from a Def Leppard. Do we want this from Def Leppard? That's a question that I was asking myself as I'm listening to this. I'm like, do I really want to hear Def Leppard singing about God and stuff? I'm not sure. Um, I mean, if I like the band and I like the music and the vocalist, then sure, they can sing about whatever. But yeah, this didn't really fit for me. Um, what do we want from Def Leppard? We want the double entendres. We want those harmonies. That's what I always want from Def Leppard is those great harmonies. So this, to me, Cruise Control was just kind of an ill-fitting Ill song in their catalog. Um, had some weird effects on Joe Elliott's voice uh, as well in this song and not needed. 
Um, again, you've got a singer with such a great voice like Joe Elliott. Don't mess with it. You know, just leave it alone. I can understand, you know, by the time they're doing their 10th album, they want to do things a little bit differently. Maybe I can understand where the thought comes from, but leave it alone. Joe Elliott is amazing singer and great rock and roll voice. Just don't screw with it. So Cruise Control, a short song, which in my book, just as well, because <laughs> it didn't really do much for me, did not need to hear them singing about atoning in my soul. So, all right, seventh song is called Hallucinate. Uh, starts with the, the promising Def Leppard style. Uh, very catchy sound to it. Uh, great sound, great harmonies. Uh, back to the pop sound of Def Leppard, I thought, with this song. The lyrics are all over the place, as they are with a lot of this album, actually. Uh, again, the lyrics are pretty pointless on here. Uh, not much will rhyme with hallucinate or hallucination, which they say both words many, many times. Uh, they say almost as many times as the word come on in that song. And come on, come on. They almost say hallucinate or hallucination as many times. So it's a catchy song. So there's that at least, but really not much to it hallucinate um definitely more about the music than about the lyrics so all right eighth song is called only the good die young it is not i repeat it is not a billy joel cover uh my guess is it's about john lennon uh but it's very vague um it's an okay song but i found myself like as i'm listening to it i found myself way more focused on who is this about who you know <clears throat> it's very literally only the good die young speaking about something very specific but you really have to dig to get the subject matter out of it and the clues, try to pick up on the clues of who it's about. So could have been about anybody, I suppose, but I, the clue, you know, it, they say the word legend, they say genius, they say diamond in the sky. To me, that's the biggest clue, diamond in the sky. So it got me thinking about Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, which was a John Lennon song. So I think that's my best guess because like I said, it's just very vague. Uh, they don't go over the top with it being about John Lennon or mentions of, I don't know, Beatles or Liverpool or anything that would really give it away. Um, it would make sense, you know, but they could have made it more obvious. Oh, but I, you know, I say that and I don't know if many of you guys know this, but Edge of 17 by Stevie Nicks is also a, a John Lennon song about John Lennon, about about other topics in there as well. Um, Stevie actually had an uncle that was named John as well, that died right around the same time John Lennon died. So Edge of 17 was kind of about both that uncle of hers and John Lennon. So that was also very vague and not very obvious, but it just worked better, maybe because I did more research and I knew that story. Um, but this is okay. This actually only the Good Die Young, the Def Leppard song here is actually a good song. It was okay. Um, I just, like I said, I just kind of found myself more focused on who is this about? What is this, uh, you know? And then once I got to diamond in the sky, that was what kind of solidified it for me. I'd be, I'd be shocked if I'm completely off base on that and wrong. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that they, the, the clues were very vague and not as obvious as you would think. So, all right. Ninth song is called bad actress. It is not about Tori Spelling or Lindsay Lohan. That was the first couple bad actresses I could think of. Uh, it's not about them. Uh, it's a very fast, energetic start to the song. It's actually, it is kind of a, a rant about crappy actresses. Uh, it's, it's, there's no veiled emotional meaning about this song. Um, I, I think there is something veiled here, but it's not, it's very openly saying she can't sing, she can't dance, she can't talk, but she does have perfect teeth. So there was that. And it, 
mean, very mean spirited. He says that she can't fit in her pants anymore. So just written by Joe Elliott. So I'm thinking he had a fling with some actress that went really bad. And this is the mean result of that, that encounter or that dating or whatever. Um, so I, you know, I just got, I had to put it on pause and look this up to see, you know, who, what was the dating history of Joe Elliott? Or, you know, maybe if it was a one night thing or something that's not going to be online, but the two names that popped up aside from two women that he was married to, uh, Bobby Tolsma is one of the women and Denise Dakin is the other one. So these are two names that I'd never heard of. They're certainly not famous Hollywood actresses or anything. So Bobby Tolsma seems to be the, the name that would fall right into the time frame of when this album came out. So, and I shouldn't laugh because she recently passed away, but Bobby Tolsma, the relationship was very volatile with her and Joe Elliott. Uh, there, there was, you know, there was fight, physical fights that happened. There were arrests that happened. Uh, there was no sign that she was an actress. So that much I couldn't say is that Bobby Tolsma, not necessarily an actress per se, but it was a volatile relationship that her and Joe Elliott were having and they broke up in the time frame of when this song came out. So I'm guessing the song could be about her, although I don't know if she was an actress or not. Denise Dakin just was very under the radar. She was not an actress. There was no great stories around her or anything. But anyway, so it could be about Bobby Tolsma. It could just be some fictional thing altogether. But Bad Actress, the ninth song. So, all right, tenth song. One of the few highlights on the album, it's called Come Undone. Uh, and it does not, it was not a Duran Duran cover because I know that's going to ring a bell for some people. So come undone. Uh, the font on this one, it looked like it said Gone Madonna. So I'm like, well, that's way more letters than come undone. But Gone Madonna is not the name of this song. Again, it's this stupid font that just was so troublesome and problematic for me. So anyway, uh, a strong open to the song, the normal Def Leppard open to me. Uh, stayed very true to the Def Leppard sound. So for me, it was a win. Uh, real catchy song, great vocals, great harmonies. Unlike Bad Actress, on Come Undone, Joe Elliott is praising his partner for being there for him when he needs her the most. So I appreciated this song. Uh, I appreciated that it sounds 100% like a song from their heyday, from back when Def Leppard was really hot. Um, Again, not a super deep song, Come Undone, but just very catchy uh, and much more appreciative of his lover and his his partner in life than Bad Actress, that's for sure. So one of the highlights of the album. And then the 11th song, the final song on the album, is a song called Gotta Let It Out. Um, I'm sorry, Gotta Let It Go. Now I'm confused. So 11th song is called Gotta Let It Go. Um when I went to look up the lyrics, it kept taking me to let it go. I'm like, no, it's called Gotta Let It Go. So on Def Leppard's very first album, see, this is where the confusion comes in. On their very first album from way back in the day in the 70s, uh, there is a song called Let It Go. And so this song on their 10th album is called Gotta Let It Go. So they have a song called Let It Go and a song called Gotta Let It Go. So it was tough for me to find the lyrics. I had to keep on specifically looking for Gotta Let It Go. So finally found it. Um, it starts with this muffled sound effect uh, it, it, to start the song, uh, but it's an engrossing open. Um, I thought it was very, a little bit subdued. The whole, you know, couple first minute or so, it's a very subdued sound to it. And you're waiting for it to kick in. You know that it's coming and it does and it works. It's really good. Uh, it's just a really strong finish for this album. It's the Def Leppard sound, but it's very driving, slightly different for them. 
Um, so here, I think they did achieve something in trying to go a different route and trying to go a different approach, uh, mixing things up a little bit. I think the muffled sound gimmick actually worked here. Normally, I don't like stuff like that, but here it did work because then when it when it kicked in, it turned into something really good. So um, it has something to do. Got to let it go as a song. It's got something to do with the perils of fame. But again, very vague. Um, what listening to this album closely really taught me is that Def Leppard's lyrics, they're never going to be mistaken for U2 or Bob Dylan or anybody with very deep lyrics. So they're never going to be mistaken for them. Uh, just very uh, just on the surface, you know, it's just some some words to make it work so that they can actually do the songs. So and give Joe Elliott something to sing. So like I said, something to do with the perils of fame, but a really vague notion. Uh, the music is really good and Joe Elliott sounded great. So got to let it go. One of the highlights on the album to wrap up the album. So overall, 11 songs, um, not much to it. I, I got to say, just um, just kind of there as an album. So as much as I like Def Leppard, um, I, I can understand why they're not as big as they used to be, because the, some of the stuff that they've been releasing since the heyday has just been kind of there. So anyway, that is it. That is the record store. Uh, I want to thank Brian. I want to thank uh, our sponsors, obviously. And thank you guys for listening. And so what I teased about Rocktober, so we're calling it I Want a Rocktober. Uh, there's going to be actually today's episode kind of hints a little bit as what the uh, the theme is going to be for Rocktober. So we're going to have a couple episodes about a specific genre, as it were, which today maybe could have fallen into, but we'll see. Um so that'll be revealed throughout the, the month of October. And this TRS takes over the network in October. So a little less wrestling, a little bit more music. Uh, so there'll be a lot more of me. So I'm sure some people will like that. Some people not so much. So, But there will also be a special episode towards the end of October where Brian and I count down our favorite albums of all time. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see, will we have any overlap? I think there is... From the best of my uh, knowledge, I think there's going to be one album that we possibly overlap on. So it'll be a, a typical, a traditional Cool Kids countdown in the sense that we're each going to make our list of our top 10 and then crunch them and see if there's any overlap. So very good likelihood that it'll be an album at number one and then the rest will be specific albums on each of our parts. So to see if there's any uh, any that we share other than that number one spot, which I have a strong feeling I know what it's going to be. So anyway, so get ready for Rocktober. Uh, I want a Rocktober is the uh, the traditional title for it. And if you're a Patreon, stick with us. You're going to get to hear the favorite uh, song from the album, The Sparkle Lounge by Def Leppard. Otherwise, we will see you in Rocktober. And don't forget, I have fun everywhere I go. We'll see you next month, guys. It's that time of year again for pumpkin spice and maple flavored candy corn. It's Rocktober! That's right. Every October, your friend and mine, Lance Levine, takes over the STS pod feed to give you all episodes of the record store. That's right. This year, it is I Want to Rock! That's right. I Want to Rocktober. Lance will be reviewing hair bands and let us know if the albums did they hold up lance then will be joined by me bt at the end of the month for a cool kids countdown 
of our favorite albums of all time. Join us for I Wanna Rock Tober. Thank you, Record Store Nation, for joining us for another fun-filled episode of The Record Store. You can support us if you so desire. Please support us. I have this terrible 7-Eleven hot dog habit that I have to support. Cash app us at dollar sign BTSTS. Or you can support us on Patreon. It's $3 a month. Uh, www.patreon.com slash shooting the shiznit. And remember, there's no G in shooting. It's just shooting the shiznit. Uh, you can support us there. It's three bucks a month. You get uncut episodes. You get early episodes. You get uh, you find out what my favorite song of the album is on each episode of the record store. What if I grab an album that I end up from my own collection? What if I grab an album that I end up hating this year and I can't find a song that I love? So there's got to be one, right? So you'll find out that you get that when you're a Patreon. You find you get the song uncut after the episode. Uh, all kinds of contests that we do and prizes that we can give away and like I said the early releases of the albums and so on you can find me on Twitter it's at ChocolatierLL yes it's a parody because I used to work for Godiva and they called us Chocolatiers so that's the explanation there C-H-O-C-O-L-A-T-I-E-R-L-L that is me on Twitter for all kinds of sundry bizarre stuff uh, you can find my book on Amazon it's called All the Right Notes it's my odyssey throughout rock and roll throughout my entire life uh, look up All the Right Notes on Amazon by Lance Levine. You can also find it in the Chicago market at Rolling Stone Records. You can find me on Facebook, Lance Levine, L-E, capital V-I-N-E, because you know I'm classy like that. Got to have a capital V in there. Uh, you can go to stspod.club for the archives if you want to find our episodes about Hearts or Cheap Trick or Tom Petty or Lindsey Buckingham or Stevie Nicks or any of the other artists that we've done throughout 2021. It's been a great year uh, with much more to come. So if you want to check out some other podcasts that I'm a fan of, uh, if you want to stick with music, I'm a big fan of Playlist Wars. Uh, my guys, Brian and Gomez, doing Playlist Wars, where they have they debate better playlists from each guy, each other. Uh, Nixology from the Mysterious Steven. Haven't had an episode in a while, but hopefully they're coming back soon, uh, documenting the career of Stevie Nicks. So, you know, I'm a big fan of that. And if you want junk food-related stuff, it is my guys, Jay and Rick, at the I'm Fat Podcast. Okay? Always a good time listening to those guys talk about junk food and restaurants and so on. So thank you again, Record Store Nation. Stick with us. We're going to have tons of stuff coming out. And remember, nights are forever without you. Nights are forever without you.